If you, if you are new to Jesus, I say this every week, but please know I mean it every week. <laughs> like, if, if this is like, like weird for you that you're here today, and you're like, what am I doing in a church? Maybe someone invited me, uh, a friend, a family member invited you here today. I'm just, I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, we hope that you uh, will find a lot of joy as you discover more and more of who Jesus is. And maybe you're interested in Christianity. Maybe you used to go to church when you were younger and you're coming, you're exploring things as you come back. That's awesome. So, so, so grateful that you're here. I do want to know that uh, the next seven weeks, we have a sermon series just for you, if you are new to Jesus. And, um, uh, and for those of you who are Christians, I'd love for you to just kind of listen into this little spiel here for a bit. I mentioned this last week, but um, I would love for you, if you are a Christian, to just invite a friend who may be new to Jesus uh, to come join us on a seven-week journey. Um, we are going to cover seven topics uh, for seven weeks. Each topic will be a brand new topic, but we're going to talk about equality, compassion, freedom, progress, science, consent, and enlightenment. Now, I want to let you know they are heavier weeks, and so, so if any of you like to bring your kids to the services, we're going to explore very deep topics. But those seven things, equality, compassion, freedom, progress, science, consent, and enlightenment, I think if you ask most Canadians, they would say those are really good things. Most Canadians would say something like, I don't need to believe in God to believe in equality, right? Like, I love equality. Equality is great. Most of us would agree. But do you really need to believe in God to believe in equality? And um, some of you might say, even this morning, like, I don't think so, right? And um, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time following the breadcrumbs. Let's start talking about equality. Let's talk about it for a while. And let's start to see where do we get this idea of equality? Where does that come from? And I think when we look historically, when we look at our world, that we find that equality, compassion, freedom, like on and on and on, that these are gifts to us from God, from the Bible, or from what we're going to call the Jesus Revolution. 2,000 years ago, a bunch of people began following Jesus as their savior, as their king, and they turned the world upside down. And so a lot of the, the values we think are just common sense, they're not common sense when we look historically. And uh, so I would love for this to be a real bridge-building series for, for seven weeks. Um, I would like lots of you who are new to Jesus to, to, to fall in love with Jesus as you hear that he is really uh, uh, the one who gives us... Um, uh, a vision of what equality actually looks like, of what compassion looks like, of what freedom looks like, on and on. And so, uh, yeah, invite a friend, invite a neighbor, invite a colleague, whatever. Just so you know, uh, for the next seven weeks, uh, if you have been a Christian for decades, uh, I'm not writing these sermons for you, necessarily. So uh, I'm, I'm writing this for your friend who is new to Jesus. And so um, uh, if you don't like the next seven weeks, that's okay, because uh, it's not about you. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's about hopefully the person you're bringing with you uh, to hear about the good news of Jesus. So next week will be week number one, and it'll be equality. We'll start off with equality. Okay, uh, we want to pray as we begin. We want God to, to, to speak uh, to us through his word. And we also want to pray. Um, there's a lot going on in the UK right now um, uh, as we think about this uh, memorial, this funeral for Queen Elizabeth II. There's lots of world leaders that are gathered um, uh, together. And we are called as Christians um, uh, to pray for our leaders. And there are some leaders uh, that we really love 
And there are other political leaders that we don't love as much, but the Bible says pray for them all. Uh, pray for those in authority over you. Um, and so we want to pray that all of our leaders, especially here in Canada, where there's a lot going on politically, both locally and nationally, um, we want to pray that the people that lead us would be filled with wisdom, uh, that would be filled with lots of love for, for the people. And so we want to do that. And so, um, yeah, let's pray. We're going to pray for, for, uh, for God to use those in authority over us for the flourishing of society and uh, for righteousness and justice. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you um, that what uh, it seems like uh, Queen Elizabeth loved you with her whole heart, and what a beautiful gift, and that's amazing. And so, Lord, uh, as, as this memorial takes place and world leaders are gathered, we do pray that these world leaders gathered for this funeral would hear the good news of the gospel. Um, Lord, uh, I pray for uh, uh, Justin Welby as he gives that sermon. Um, that world leaders would just hear the good news of Jesus in his sermon um, there at Westminster Abbey. And, and Lord, we are lifting up our world leaders. We pray for righteousness and justice for them, that we pray that they would lead in truth and in wisdom. And Lord, we do pray that uh, you would watch over our, our national elections here, our, our local elections here, our political parties here. Lord, give us leaders who will lead with, 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 with truth, with wisdom, with grace, with love for the people. God, we, 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 are, we are thankful, Lord, for all that you have done for us. And uh, we pray that you would watch over us um, as a people. And Lord, we do pray for this morning. We pray that you would bring light to our eyes, that you would speak to us by your word. And God, that you would begin your work of healing in us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, as I have mentioned to you for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about the joy of following Jesus. These last three weeks are all about the joy of following Jesus. Is, is there always happiness? <laughs> no. Uh, not on a superficial level, but there, there can be joy as we look at Jesus two weeks ago and are filled with hope. Um, uh, as, we, as we gaze, as our perspective changes and we see Jesus, we can be filled with joy. Last week, we talked about life together, that we don't follow Jesus alone, but that there's, a, there's joy in community as we follow Jesus together. And uh, this week, we're going to continue on this theme of joy, and we're going to talk about the joy of transformation so let me pray this prayer for you as we begin. These words from Rich Mullins, uh, one of my favorite singer-songwriters. May the joy of Jesus be in you. And may the joy of Jesus be with you. May you know the joy of Jesus. And may the joy of Jesus be in you. This last summer, uh, as you know, we, uh, my family, we got to be on a, uh, a trip, uh, a long, long road trip, and uh, we stopped in my home in Oklahoma and got to hang out with my parents and my brother, and, uh, and we, uh, my kids got to learn a few things from their parents, like my kids had like sewing lessons with, with my mom, uh, sewing with Susie, it's pretty sweet, and, uh, and then they had uh, pottery time with Pottery with Papa. Uh, uh, so this is my dad, and he's teaching uh, my oldest daughter, Lucy, uh, who's nine, just how to do pottery. And it, it was such a precious time, right, watching um, uh, my dad. My dad's so creative, uh, so creative. He, he writes books, he's a musician, he paints paintings, he's a potter, and so he just oozes with creativity. And one of the coolest things is to watch him do pottery and to watch his hands. 
And for those of you who've been at North Langley for a while, I've, I've brought this up before, but just watching him, uh, you know, the shape of his hands and the way the clay moves, it's just unreal, right? To, 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 to watch the, the forming that happens and, and uh, the beautiful art. And, you know, it's, you know, think of the metaphor of just like our lives are spinning, right? Out of control. And yet God uses that crazy, rapid, out of controlness to suddenly his hands are on your life. In, in the hands of the, the, the potter, the father who's a potter, right? His hands are on you, and he's going to shape you. He's going to change you. He's going to transform you. And sometimes the pressure of his hands, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, he, but he's delighted to shape us and form us, and that's what today is going to be all about. We call this apprenticeship to Jesus, okay? That's what we call this, following Jesus, being transformed by him, being shaped by him. But today, I just want you to get that image of a potter, a potter forming your life. Now, we hear these words in Romans 8. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Like, if that didn't just blow your brain apart, like, look at it again. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, here it is, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's you, to be conformed into the image of, who's the son? Jesus. That you would be conformed into the image of Jesus. That is revolutionary. It's inspiring. It, it's humbling. It's like, really? Is that, the, is that the offer that's on the table? That I, that you, would be shaped to look like Jesus? Do you believe that? Do, do you believe, do you actually believe, because just so you know, I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure I actually believe that the project that God is working on in my life is that I would be shaped to look like Jesus. I have to like pinch myself to wake up, to realize, oh, that's, that's, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> Our verse for today is found in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. And it's this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being, here it is, transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank, Thank you. Thank you that your word promises that you are going to transform us into the image of Jesus. Some of you know that uh, these days there's been uh, a huge reckoning happening amongst, um, amongst Christian leaders. I know some of the preachers in the summer brought some of this up, but it honestly feels like weekly. Lots of the people that like, for me, as like a pastor I've looked up to, pastors, Christian leaders, um, all these like moral failings are coming to light. And you know, for some, for some of you, it's devastating. Uh, you know, you maybe really appreciated this speaker, this author, or whoever, and, and, and this thing comes out that, like, you know, there's bullying going on, there's, there's affairs going on, there's, there's just stuff. And it's like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, how many more names are going to show up in, in the news about this stuff? And, and um, and so, to really just encourage me even more, I'm reading a book uh, about a guy named Henry Ward Beecher. Um, do you guys know that name, Henry Ward Beecher? Anyone? 
No one. Okay. Let me introduce you to Henry. This is his uh, mugshot. This is great. Uh, this is Henry. Uh, <laughs> by the view of the picture, it's probably like, well, that's probably why I haven't heard of him, Matthew. Uh, he lived, he lived uh, 1813 to 1887. Um, he was, one could argue, uh, the, the most famous preacher in America in the, in the 19th century. Um, Debbie Applegate wrote, wrote this book that I'm reading. And um, and he would, would, his story is similar to many of the stories that we're seeing on the news uh, these days. Um, he preached, let me tell you a little bit about Henry Ward Beecher. Uh, Henry preached at the massive Plymouth Church in Brooklyn. Um, there, uh, there were, uh, from Manhattan to Brooklyn, there were these like ferries that ferried people to his church in, in Brooklyn. Uh, they were called Beecher Boats. Uh, that, that literally, people in Manhattan were like, we want to hear him preach. And so they were, they're sending ferries over to get people. Thousands of people would flock to his church every, every Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he used humor. He was very funny on stage. He, he was an excellent communicator. Um, and he, but he was, a, he was a friend to a lot of the wealthy um, in, in America, like, you know, uh, authors, uh, intellectuals, wealthy people would attend his church, lots of names, you know, people like Mark Twain knew him, and he was friends with Abraham Lincoln, and uh, his, his sister is Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. Um, anyway, he was just kind of like uh, one of those pastors that hangs out with elite people, and, but he had such good traits, um, he was, a, he was a leader in the women's suffrage movement. Um, he, his preaching emphasized the love of God. That was fairly new. Uh, uh, you know, throughout the centuries, people have emphasized the love of God. But at least in America at the time, uh, there was a lot of hellfire, brimstone, preaching, judgment, wrath of God. And he preached the love of God. And a lot of people were attracted to that and, and came to hear him preach. He was all about abolition of the slave trade. He cared a lot about freedom for slaves. So much so that he, uh, his church raised money to buy uh, weapons during the Civil War uh, for soldiers to use on the front lines of the battle. And he called them Beecher Bibles, is what he called them. Uh, you know, another time, another place. Uh, <laughs> don't want to judge him there for that. <laughs> that seems a little odd. Uh, but anyway, um, so he was just this really influential pastor. But um, for years, he was carrying on adulterous relationships with women in his church. And it was sexual abuse. He was, he was their pastor. There was a power dynamic there. And, and there was one story of one lady. I just, my heart breaks for her. She's just, she's just caught between, you know, just uh, Henry Ward Beecher and her husband. And this whole thing went to trial. It was one of the most famous trials in America. But when I'm reading his story, it is just so sad to see this platform of this, of this, of this man who had so much opportunity for good. And yet, and this is what I want us to see today, there was a portion of his heart, there was just this deep corner of his heart that had not been healed by the love of Christ. That there was this thing that remained hidden deep within him, and it, he was not exposing it to the light of Christ. See, Henry Ward Beecher needed deep healing. Like you and I, he needed radical transformation. He needed to allow the gentle, loving hands of the potter to shape him. He had closed off a portion of his heart from the light of Christ. And it's, it's odd. Somehow, we are able to operate with good deeds continuing to happen, but the core of our heart is not shaped by the great potter. Man, for the last couple of years, this has been the thing that I'm, I'm just like, it's like you're white-knuckling it on the freeway. It's <laughs> like, 
Lord God, in your mercy, like watch over my life and care for me. And may I always live with accountability and, and openness. And may my heart be exposed to the light of your love. And, 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 but yet finding that it is often people in ministry or maybe just in life doing great things. And yet there's this part, portion of their life that hasn't been changed. And, and I sense in my own life, I'm like, Lord, it sometimes feels like the opposite of 2 Corinthians 3 is happening. It's like, I'm not being transformed into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. And so today, the whole thing we want to do is to talk about the Spirit of God who comes and searches our hearts, shining a light, cleaning house, opening up our heart for heart surgery, for radical transformation. He has promised to make us, to shape us, and to form us into the image of His Son. And so... Today, what I want to do is talk about a Henry Ward Beecher that lived 2,000 years ago, and his name was Peter. Now, Peter's sin was not the same as that of Henry Ward Beecher's, but, he, but the transformation Peter needed was, was identical, right? The transformation Peter needed was for Jesus to look deep within his heart and to speak some truth and to pour his love into Peter's life. So let me just recap the story, bring some of you up to speed. If you are a little bit new to the Bible, there's a man named Peter. Peter was, was a pretty amazing guy. Uh, if, if I would have shaken Peter's hand, he would have crushed my hand because I have a hold coffee type all day hand. Uh, he would have had a fisherman's hand, right? You know, those guys that just have like huge hands. Um, anyone with me? I feel like it's dead silence. Like, you know, it's just like they're calloused and they're just like, man, you're just like super strong as an ox. And uh, so, so this is Peter. Peter uh, drove a Ford truck. Uh, he listened to JRFM. And, uh, and a picture for, and a perfect day for Peter was uh, fly fishing uh, at a river, you know, local river here. And, uh, you know, you just, you, this, is, this is who Peter was. Peter was um, a leader. And uh, Peter loved to be decisive <laughs> about things. Uh, Peter loved to jump in on things. Uh, when, when, when Jesus was betrayed by a kiss by Judas, uh, Peter uh, uh, takes out a sword and cuts off the ear of a guard, right, that's arresting Jesus. I mean, that's Peter, right? And, and Jesus is like, put your sword away, right? This is not what we're here to do. And heals the man's ear. Uh, crazy story. But anyway, this is Peter. Peter's ready for action. And Peter was the one who confessed, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knew who Jesus was. And, and, Peter, and Jesus was like, I'm going to change your name. Your name is Simon. I'm going to change it to Peter, which means rock, Petros in Greek, rock. I'm going to change it to rock, or as one of my professors said, Rocky. Right? Your name's Rocky. That, that fits, right? Ford truck, JRFM, Rocky. And uh, that's who he is, you know? And, and yet, we, 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 we hear this, this uh, really painful story of a moment when Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. What had happened was Jesus was arrested. He was taken to trial. This is late at night. Uh, all the disciples seem to kind of totally abandon Jesus at this moment, but not Peter, right? He's strong, rocky, and he's going to follow. So he follows, but during the trial, which takes place at night, he's hanging out outside the trial, and he's around a, a charcoal fire. And there's this, he's not allowed inside to the trial, but he's, he's, he's outside, and this slave girl sees him, and she's like, hey, you were with Jesus. You know, she, she could probably detect his Galilean accent or whatever, like, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he says, no. And he's asked this question three times, and there's three denials. He says, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus, right? What's going on? This is rocky. This is, 
This is one of Jesus' inner circle, right? There's Peter, James, and John. That was Jesus' inner circle. He's denying his Savior. He's denying his friend. And then a rooster crows. And the painful part about this moment is that Jesus had predicted this moment. Uh, He said, before the rooster crows, Peter, you'll disown me three times. Can you imagine Peter's heart sinking? Leader Peter, strong Peter, tough Peter, willing to pull a sword out and (laughs) attack a guard, Peter, in front of a slave girl, denies knowing Jesus three times. What what was the shame going on in his heart? What was the, the pain of that? Why did he do it? What was that little part of deep within him that needed to find healing? Why did he do that? And so Jesus dies. Then Jesus rises from the dead three days later. And Peter had seen Jesus, had interacted with Jesus, but, but his healing had not yet come. And Jesus knew that Peter needed healing. And so there's this powerful moment one day when Peter is out fishing and he sees Jesus on the shore. This is the risen Jesus. He's, he's on the shore. And Jesus is around a charcoal fire, and he's cooking fish for breakfast. Gross, but that's, that's their day at their time. Fish for breakfast. And, uh, and they're, they're sitting at a fire. And Peter sees him, and he dives into the water, and he swims to shore, and he, and he, runs, up on the, he runs up to the charcoal fire and sits down with Jesus. And Jesus proceeds to ask him three questions, which... Sounds awfully like a reversal of the three denials. I want to read the story to you. It won't be on the screen. And this is John 21. If you want to follow along, we'll start in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. What's going on here? Well, Peter denies Jesus three times. So Jesus needs to ask Peter to reaffirm his love three times. And and let me tell you something kind of nerdy and cool about this story. The the Greek word for, some of you know this, but the Greek word for charcoal fire is the word anthrakia. Say that to your neighbor, anthrakia. You just learned a new word, Greek word. Uh, It's a a rare word in 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 the New Testament, the Greek New Testament, there's only, it's used twice in the New Testament, anthrakia, charcoal fire. The first time, it's when Peter denies knowing Jesus around a charcoal fire. The second time is when he reaffirms his love for Jesus around a charcoal fire. Just so you know, with the biblical writers, that's not a coincidence, right? That's there on purpose. John wants us to see something, or maybe he wants us to smell something, Right? How many of you, when you smell something, it takes you right back to a certain place, a certain moment, a certain memory, right? For me, it's dial soap, orange dial soap. You guys know that stuff? I just, I start washing my hands, I'm like, it's currently July, or first week of July, 1998. I'm in Missouri, the state of Missouri, at a camp called Camp Barnabas. Boom, I'm there, right? It's like 24 years ago. I'm just like, I'm transported. Um, 
I think something like that's happening here, right? That's not a coincidence. John doesn't just throw anthracia in there for... Oh, I'm smelling this charcoal fire. I'm remembering this moment, right? A memory is being, is, 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 is being reignited here about his moment of deepest shame and pain. And yet there's a moment of love here, right? See, Jesus has to ask him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What's going on, Peter? Was there a deep need for the approval of man here? Was there a fear here? What needs to be healed? Because whatever that is, deep within you, Peter, it needs to be healed. It needs to be brought out into the light. We're not just going to forget that those three things happened, right? You need transformation. You need the hands of the potter upon your life. You need healing. And Jesus loved him so much, so he goes straight to the pain. He goes straight to the issue, like a dentist straight to that cavity, like a heart surgeon with his scalpel you know, straight to the heart, right? He's going to do business. And P- Peter, Peter feel, feels hurt that he's being asked this three times. He, he, I think he feels a little embarrassed, right? His friends are around him. But this is sometimes what transformation looks like. If we are going to be shaped to, into the image of Jesus, sometimes it it, it hurts a bit, and it probably feels a little embarrassing at times because the dark stuff deep within us is getting out, <laughs> and it's, it's not always pretty. But Peter's given this opportunity to step into the light. And, and each of us know that, you know, the way Peter answers these three questions, it's Sunday school answer, right? It's like, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. You know that I love you, right? He's given the right answer. And we hope that that's what he says, right? We hope for that because... Jesus sees he's a leader. He's got a lot to do still ahead of him. He's going to be a shepherd of the church. Some of you remember the book of Acts at the, when the spirit falls upon the early believers. Who is it that gets up and preaches so that 3,000 are saved that day? It's Peter. He's going to shepherd the sheep. He's going to be a good shepherd one day, but he needs this moment of healing. And he's got something going on deep within him, something restless, something hungry, Each of us has a restless and hungry heart. St. Augustine writes, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. What's the restlessness going on in your heart today? What was the restlessness in Henry Ward Beecher? What was that restless heart happening inside deep within Peter? Or as Bruce Springsteen writes, Everybody's got a hungry heart hungry heart. We've got this hunger. We've got this restlessness. Peter was restless in his fear of people pleasing. Beecher was hungry for intimacy. What about you? To those hungering, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. To those who thirst, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And in our restlessness and hunger, we we are delighted to to try to fix that restlessness and hunger in all kinds of things that are profoundly unhealthy in our life. And so what he wants to do is just hold on to our life like a potter and say, hold on. I want you to meet that hunger. I want that hunger to be, to be filled by me. I'm the bread of life. I want that thirst to be quenched by me alone, right? I will give you water, living water, Come to me and drink. So what's, what's going on in your life? What is that 
dark place where you're restless and hungry. I want to just give a few examples. There are many. These are just a few. But for many of us, there's, there's something going on with image, right? To, to attain a perfect image, to gain the approval of others. It's an unhealed place deep within us. For some of us, closely related, it's a people-pleasing, finding the approval of others. We've got this fear around others and how they view us. We curate, create this perfect image online, desperately hoping for the approval of others. Some of us have a sexual appetite, hunger for, which, I mean, this is a hunger for intimacy. That's what it is being satisfied in unhealthy ways. Some of us have fears around finances. So we are, we, are, we are often anxious, fearful, depressed, because when we think about our finances, it's just never secure enough. Some of us deep down have this longing for escape, just to run from whatever it is, run from a friendship, run from a marriage, run, run from a church, run from a community. And oftentimes we run into our screens, right? We run towards our phones. We escape into distraction. We escape into vacation. We escape into pulling away from community. We pull away from community, right? There's just, it's so hard to be vulnerable, to be known in those places. Some of us carry a burden of envy, right? Honestly, it is just like, why can't I be thankful for what I have? Why can't I be grateful? I know some of you are just feeling like it's a battle and like you don't want to be envious, but like when you look around, you just see people, even maybe people that you love and you're like, I wish I had that. I wish that were happening. It could be health. Of, of your body. It, 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 they seem healthier than you. It could be the home they have. It could be the job they have. It could be whatever, the family they have. And it's just, it's, it's, this, it's this thing that is deeply unhealed with, within you. And you want it healed. And we're restless. We're hungry for so many things. And I just want to encourage you that Jesus is delighted to take that restlessness and hunger. And he's delighted to fill us. And he's delighted to meet us in that place to bring a deep healing there. You and I need a beach scene with Jesus. You and I need a campfire with Jesus. And our prayer team was just saying earlier that we want this room to be filled with little campfires everywhere here in a bit. Our prayer team would love to pray for you that you would have an encounter with Christ in the prayer room up front, maybe with each other, maybe this week in your life groups. We want little, little uh, charcoal fires made where we can encounter the living Christ and become transformed by him. And I want to let you know, this is the journey we're on. When we talk about apprenticeship to Jesus, I want to tell you everything we're doing as a church, everything is about this, like what I'm saying right here. <laughs> Everything is about this. It's to connect all of us to Jesus. It's that we would find that we are connected from the worship to the prayer teams to preaching here to our children's ministries and youth ministries and the programs that run every week. I mean, the only thing that we're about is that you would know Jesus and be changed by Jesus and connect with Jesus. And so there's multiple ways in which that happens, but like our heart's desire is that everything we're doing as a church would be about this. This is it. This is it. 
And I want to just walk you through really quickly some of the series we've done. And I just want you to see the project we're on. I, I, I hope you're encouraged that as a church, as the years go on, we're, this, is the, this is what we're doing, <laughs> is we want to have this face-to-face transformation with Jesus. And so we started in the fall of 2018 with a series called This Is Life. And, and, and some slides are going to come on the, on, the, on the screens here, hopefully to jog your memory, for those of you who've been around that long, about these series that we've done. And just so you know, if you are new to North Langley, these are series you can check out um, online. And maybe as a small group or a Bible study, go back through these and, and process them together. But in fall 2018, we talked about this. Transformation. This is life. Jesus is here to give you a transformed new life. And so we kicked off this journey in the fall of 2018. And then in the winter of 2019, we did a series called Life Together. And this transformation, the point of that series was we cannot do it alone. We cannot do it alone. We do this in community. And then in the fall of 2019, we had a series called On Our Knees, which was learning to pray. What does it look like to be a person who prays, a community that prays? Why? So that we can become face-to-face with the one who who changes us and shapes us. And then in the winter of 2020, we did a series called Loved, which was learning to follow Jesus when it comes to identity, sexuality, and gender. And for many of us, Uh, these are the questions we're asking. Jesus, how can you transform me and shape me into who you are wanting me to be? How can I follow you when it comes to identity, sexuality, and gender? And then the fall of 2020, we did a series called Scripture. What do you think that was about? (laughs) It was like, we, the word, it's when we, when, when we are anchored in the word of God and the truth of God, that we have this face-to-face encounter with Christ who changes us. And then in the winter of 2021, we did a series called Shalom, how to be changed by Jesus in this angry, anxious, and politically polarized age. You and I often carry a part of our heart that is bitter, angry, divided, hostile when it comes to the politics and the divisions of our age. And we want to see that part of us healed and transformed by Jesus. Because how many, how, many, how many rulers do we have? We have one. He's our king, right? We're part of a kingdom. And so we, we, our allegiance is to one political party, and it's to King Jesus. So what does that look like? In spring 2021, we, we had a series called Forgive Us, where we talked about confession, repentance, and the journey towards freedom. Again, that's encountering the transformation of Jesus. In the fall of 2021, we did a series called The Gift of the Spirit. Some of you were here this last fall when we, for 13 weeks, we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit and that it's only through the Holy Spirit where we experience the life, love, and power of God. If we want transformation in our life, it is as we are filled with the very presence of God, the Spirit of God in us. And then this last winter, 2022, we did a series called Digitology, and we talked about Uh, following Jesus and being transformed by him as we turn from our devices and screens in order to be face-to-face with our Savior. And then finally, in spring 2022, we did a series called The Kingdom, The Kingdom of God. And And we're adamant that we cannot follow Jesus until we understand that we have one king who has the authority to take his hands upon our life in his kingdom and start to shape us and change us. Can I just say, this is the project. This is what we love. And we love doing this together as adults, but I really want you to know we love our children. We love our youth. We want them to be apprentices of Jesus. And so I've asked our very own Michelle Epp, who's there, (laughs) um, to come on up and just pitch a bit of a vision for what it looks like 
for transformation to happen in our children. So I'm excited about this. Thank you, Michelle, uh, for coming. Can we welcome her? Uh, Yeah, I'm so grateful to be here, um, down here with the adults, and I'm your family ministries pastor, and I, I know that um, it is the joy of Jesus that he's given me to spend time with your kids and to empower leaders to love children that come into church and, and bring them to Jesus. And since the pandemic, um, we've just seen so many more families come to church and so many children and youth, and it's amazing. It's such a gift. And we see um, kids are thirsty and hungry for connection, and they, they want to wonder and, and learn about who God is. And I've just been filled with this joy from Jesus for this. And at the same time, when I see kids come through our doors, I just can't help but think that they're growing up in a really different generation than, than when we grew up. And it makes me wonder, what is it going to be like for the 2010s and the 2020 kids? Um, how is the world going to shape them? And how does Jesus want to shape them? And how, how, how much more does God want to tell them what their identity is? to remove their anxieties, to, not, to take them from a place of loneliness into connection and community. Because our world is offering things that is nothing compared to what Jesus has. There's this uh, set of verses from Matthew 19, verses 13 to 14. Now, um, Jesus is teaching really important topics. Like people are come in and they're, yeah, let's learn about divorce. Let's learn about how to be rich people in the kingdom. But in the middle of that, there are people bringing their children to Jesus. They say um, here in Matthew 19, verse 13, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he placed his hands on them and he went from there. So we see this longing that parents have. You know, you, if you are a parent, you want the best for your kid. And I know that. I want the best for my son. But how much more Jesus wants to lay his hands on these little ones. He wants to pray for them. He wants them to come near. Beyond the teaching and the topics, it, that's what he's about. And that's what Matthew's talking about today. To come and be with Jesus. To sit at his feet. And friends and adults, apprentices of Jesus, it's our job now to bring our children to Jesus. Because who else will? They need disciples. They need to be discipled. So they need disciples to disciple them. And we need more adults. We need more adults to come into a child's life, to get down on their level, to be excited about cars and trucks, and bring them to Jesus to worship. I was just upstairs, we were singing Waymaker, and the kids' voices were so loud and clear, and they, they want to come to Christ. But we need more, more people. You know, there's a, there's a study from Child Trend. I've heard it from a few people as well, um, other youth pastors, and one of my friends who did a study in a marriage and family. And the studies say that a child who is known by name by 10 adults how much more will they be integrated into the community? It's not about the programs we do, but if a child is known by an adult, 
an adult, an adult, an adult, and is loved and embraced by the community, how much more are they going to grow and become a part of that community and a part of, of the work that God is doing here at North Langley? So, you know, we want to transform kids, and we want you to be transformed. It takes a step. Who are you discipling? You can disciple a child. <laughs> it's so, so simple, and we need you. So come talk to me. If the Lord is speaking to you, um, come, come and find me. Love to chat. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much. It's so important. It's, it's uh, beautiful just to see um, the, the, the heart of the team, to, to, to see our kids love Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and for our kids to have their own little moment before Jesus, uh, before a charcoal fire, to find healing and transformation. God the Father's hands are upon their life. And what I'd love to do is ask us to stand. We're about to worship here. And I want, us, I want to lead us in a time of prayer. Um, I want us to pray together. And if you would, if you feel comfortable, would you close your eyes? Would you spend some time in prayer here? As you think back on the last 30 minutes or so, what were some themes that had started popping in your mind? If you could diagnose where you're at, if you could be real, where are you at? What's going on deep within your heart? Like Henry Ward Beecher, like Peter? Where's that place that needs healing? And would you just take a moment and hear me say to you again that the promise that God has made is that he wants to shape you and that he is shaping you into the image of his son, Jesus. Could you, just in a quiet moment right now, just reach out to him? If that's something you want, you're not forced to do this, but would you pray out a prayer asking him to come and shape you? As you pray that prayer, would you, would you just ask him, what's, what's the step that he's asking you to take to begin that process of transformation? Would you just ask him? Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And that freedom there, North Langley, that freedom, would you just come forward, pray with our prayer team? They, they would love like a little campfire moment with you and Jesus. If you want to come forward, they would love to pray for you, to be filled with the Spirit, to encounter Christ. Would you pray for one another even as the worship continues? Our prayer room is available. Don't leave here without an encounter with Christ. 
And so Jesus, we pray that this week, that this month, that this fall, that would be a time of transformation. Lord, for those of us who are lonely, lead us into community where we can follow you and experience your love in a new way. For those of us who haven't opened the scriptures or haven't prayed in a long time, Lord, lead us back on our knees and into your word. Lord, for some of us who need to pursue reconciliation with someone, maybe even in this room, Lord, guide us in that way. And God, we pray that you would heal the dark places of our heart. Lord, that you would just, uh, like a great surgeon, come in and cut it out, <laughs> cut out the darkness. Lord, we, we know that every, every, every pot that is formed needs to go into the kiln. And sometimes we're in the, in the fire, <laughs> the heat. Uh, but we know that you are making us into something beautiful, a beautiful piece of art. And so we trust our lives into your hands. Oh, great artist, great potter, would you shape us and change us this year? We love you. We give our lives to you. And we pray that the joy of Jesus would be in us, that the joy of Jesus would be with us, and that we would truly know the joy of Jesus. And we love you and we trust you. 